Is everybody ready? Come on. Welcome to It's Showtime with your host, Lauren Amaro, a podcast where Lauren dives into a world of television. She'll discuss her current favorite shows, her most anticipated shows coming soon, and her most comforting shows to relax and unwind. Are you ready? It's Showtime. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to It's Shows Time. I am so excited to have a guest here with us. We have Jason Crane. He's going to be talking to us today about the film and TV industry. He has worked at places like New Line Cinema, HBO, where he worked on Entourage. He's worked on multiple films and TV shows as well as his most recent project, which is Wonder Woman 84, the second installment of Wonder Woman. So I'm super excited to have him here today. Um, and I'm just going to let him take it away with uh, Wonder Woman. Let's get started. Thanks for being here, Jason. Hey, Lauren. Thanks so much for having me. Hi, everybody who's listening. So, so great to be here. I really appreciate you asking me to, to share my experience on uh, sure. working in, in Hollywood. Yes, yes. Thanks so much. Really excited to hear um, everything you have to say. And um, I just want to jump right in and talk about your most recent projects with Wonder Woman and just kind of ask you what your experience was like with that. Yeah, so I, I, I was associate producer, as you said, on Wonder Woman 1984. I didn't work on the first one. Uh, I was uh, working on another project here in LA. And um, yeah, I moved to to London uh, two years ago, actually two years ago this month, and we did uh, prep, pretty much one month of prep in LA, one month, and then rest of uh, prep and pre-production in London. And it was, it was overall, it was an incredible experience. And it answered so many questions for me about this industry and how, how actually incredible it can be. And it gave me a lot of pride, actually, to re- be remember, reminded how hard people work in this industry. Because I think that if you don't work in the industry, you, you might have some preconceived notions or you may not about, because a lot of what people see are, you know, less than 1% of the industry in press and, and so forth. But what also goes along is an incredible work ethic, a blue collar work ethic that spans not only the US production world, but also United Kingdom and, and elsewhere around the globe. And it's something I'm really proud of to be part of. Yes, thank you so much. That's amazing. And I... I mean, I, I can't remember if I've told you this or not, but my love for Wonder Woman has, gosh, I think since I was in high school, I would dress up as Wonder Woman almost every year for Halloween and then all through college too. <laughs> <laughs> so I I was a big fan. And then when the first movie came out, um, I'm totally serious. I was actually like in tears watching it because it's like artwork and to be able to see kind of like I don't know, just like, I don't even want to say girl power, because it's so much more than that. But just to see that in there, and just the acting is so incredible. And I mean, everything about it. So I'm really, really excited to see um, Wonder Woman 84. And I actually just watched the trailer one more time before we spoke, and it gave me chills. Like, I am so excited for this to come out. I love that one part in the trailer where she has these golden wings, and she just sort of like, sheds them. And it just has this like brand new costume and it's, I, I see this in my Halloween in the future. <laughs> uh, yeah, oh, it's funny. I do. I don't, I, I just got chills actually thinking about it and I still get chills. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the other thing too. It is no short of a miracle, nothing short of a miracle to, you know, for me also as a fan of the character of Wonder Woman, uh, and then to be able to have this incredible privilege to work so intimately and so close on a project like this. 
And, you know, I think one of the things that gravitates her, the character, why the character, I gravitate to the character is because, you know, Wonder Woman represents love and justice and understanding. And because she's half human, half God, she has the same challenges that we all do. And she's re- so relatable to, to us as she's a un- universal um, attraction because she has desires and fears and concerns and guilt and all these things that we we struggle with and then she's able to balance that out with her superpower from being the daughter of Zeus and i think what patty and gal have done with this character is so beautiful and so respectful of the how the character was originally written and created and that's why i think it's the first movie was such a big success and i think that the second one that i worked on is also going to going to carry the success on because it's all out of love i mean that's i have to say like it's interesting to see on such a big movie like this you know i i said to patty many times that it felt like we were doing a small independent movie because there was such love and care to every single detail and it was such a wonderful camaraderie on set it really does affect i think the story that you're telling really does affect or can affect the crew as in our case People really did love uh, working on this movie, and they cared very much about being true to the character of Wonder Woman. From grips and electric, you know, costume design, production, everybody who's involved, visual effects, it's always about the character and the story. And I don't know that people really, you know, know that about big budget superhero movies, or, or as we, or as, you know, they're often referred to as tentpole movies in studio system, mm-hmm. that, that the same level of care and commitment goes into these movies as a drama, a small, low-budget, you know, indie drama. And that was, I think, something that was new to me because this was the biggest movie I've ever worked on. And it was really refreshing to experience that. I love that. And it's it's refreshing as a, as a fan to even hear that and hear that that's the kind of experience that you get and, and just that you take such a dynamic character and the way that you make it so universal. I mean, this is like there are fans all over the world that are in love with this movie in love with her character and everything is just so relatable. So I love, I love hearing that. That's exciting. And I can't wait for it to come out. Yeah, me too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm sure you, especially because it's been, it's been a long project for you and it'll be really exciting to see it all come together. Yeah, it has. It's been really incredible. So it'd be nice to, I'm excited about the fans reactions. Uh, as well. I mean, yes. that's the thing. I mean, God, the love, I don't know if, if you were, Lauren, if you're able to see, but the um, Comic-Con in Brazil when Patty and Gal revealed the trailer. But yes, that, I saw that. That <laughs> crowd was in, I mean, that's the biggest crowd they'd ever had for any movie. Wow. That audience is exactly what's so special about, I think, what I see in the relationship of audience and fans and how it relates to who the character of Wonder Woman is, is it's just so much love. I feel like there is this connection and relatability that fans have to a character of Wonder Woman that may not be the same as other superhero characters, because maybe as I said earlier, she's half human, half God. So it's like you have other character, other superhero characters who are above us, right? They are our, they are our heroes. So that's a different way of, of relating to a, a superhero versus fans who who are fans of Wonder Woman feel like she is one of them. And that's what mm-hmm. 
that's to me is something so special and so unique to Wonder Woman that doesn't exist with the other with other superhero characters. Right. That's a very good point. And it I think it's it makes it so clear why it's so inspiring um, for people because it's relatable and I mean, it's someone that you look up to, not just in the superhero sense, but in terms of like, she's not afraid to show that her human side too. And I love that about yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Very exciting. Well, I do have kind of a random question for you. And I'm not sure if you're allowed to answer this or not. But I did notice one thing when I was watching the trailer was there's some scenes that take place inside of a mall. And it reminded me of, I don't know if you've seen Stranger Things or not, but the latest season takes place in a mall and it looked exactly like that one. So in Stranger Things, it's called Starcourt Mall, but in real life, it's called Gwinnett Place Mall and it's in like suburban Atlanta. So I don't know if you're allowed to answer in terms of like scenes and where they were filmed, but I was kind of just curious if that may have happened to be the same mall. Uh, no, it's not this it's not the same mall. And the and the, and the okay. funny thing is that, and you might be a little too young for this, but all 80s malls looked very similar. Looked yeah. the same. Yeah. <laughs> um but uh yeah no it's a, it's a different it's a different mall. And we were we were in production way before that came out. Yeah. Stranger things. Right, right. Yeah. Well yeah it was just funny because I was I was watching it and I was like, yeah, this is really 80s. This is making me think about Stranger Things and the latest season was like in particular very, very um I guess, like focused on showing a lot of like, I'm trying to think of like all of the stores in the mall that they had. I was talking to my mom and she was like, oh yeah, I remember that back in the day. And, oh, but yeah, it just, it reminded me of that. So I thought it'd be funny to ask in case they were the same. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> different locations. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, so thanks so much for talking about Wonder Woman. I know you can't say too much more about it, but I love and appreciate everything that you've said so far. And it just, it gives me chills and it makes me even that much more excited to uh, watch it when it comes out. But yeah, I just wanted to kind of talk to you a little bit more about your experience overall. I know you've pretty much played kind of every part there is to play um, in terms of being producer, director, writer. Um, There's just so many different experiences you've had. So I was curious to see when did your love for like the TV and film industry begin? Was it like one defining moment? Was it a series of moments that led up to it? Did you just kind of fall into it? How did that start? Uh, It came out of complete desperation for a job. (laughs) (laughs) I I, love it. (laughs) I just, I just graduated from college in Texas and moved to New York and needed a job so badly. And my degree is in psychology. And I was literally beating the streets trying to get a job in social work and went out to a bar and my roommate uh, was like the object of affection of somebody who was talking to me. And I thought he was the guy was like into me. But anyway, he worked at New Line. And coincidentally, that person who has now been a friend of mine for God, over 20 something years, his name is Jeffrey Reddick, who is the writer and creator of Final Destination. And at the time, he worked at New Line and arranged for me to have an interview. So I had a job, which was great because I needed a job. And before dabbled in acting just in high school and a little bit in college, but wasn't really that serious about it. And New Line was an incredible time. It was an incredible time in the film and and TV industry because New Line had this great balance of, of allowing young creators to writers and directors to really have freedom. Like they would, they would green light projects and really support the creative vision of, of a writer director. 
And so I got to witness this really special time that does not exist anymore in, in entertainment. And that's sort of where I grew up and learned about the industry. And it, when I got to New Line, it was the, t- it's the same year that they released Seven and Long Kiss Goodnight. And it was the couple of years leading up before they acquired the rights to Lord of the Rings. So I was during there during that time. Wow. That's amazing. So I have to ask, since I'm a huge Lord of the Rings fan, so was that happening around the same time? Did you get to more of observe that or did you get to be involved with that? Well, so I, yes, and in, in, some, in some instances, yes. And what was interesting about that time is it made no financial sense for New Line at all. Had it gone south, it would have closed the company. It was a massive, wow. massive risk because what they did, I don't know if um, your viewers or listeners would know or remember, but they shot all three movies at the same time. So they were taking on three massive, you know, multi-million dollar productions at the same time over several years. So they were contracted. And so if you think about it, the first movie tanked too bad because they had, were spending all the money for three. So it was a really big risk. And internally at New Line at the time, some folks were, you know, super nervous about it. For, you know, we're going to have jobs after this and what's going to happen. And but it, obviously, you know, in hindsight, it was an incredible decision and it proved to be the right decision. So my job was, you know, it was not glamorous at all. That was my first job out of college. But I was in, I was in the finance department, accounting department. And so what I got to do essentially was I received every single invoice from every single movie and everything else that New Line did. So I was learning about the industry from that perspective. So, you know, I got to see what people were spending on various things in productions. And it really was an incredible education. It wasn't glamorous. It was super hard work. I worked, I've always worked a lot of hours in this industry, but it was a great, I was 22 years old. So here I am 22 years old and I'm thrust into a super successful studio that felt like a mom and pop grocery store in the corner store. You know, it was a really great Mm -hmm. time to have that kind of access in such a casual, welcoming environment and supportive and parties. The parties were crazy. New Line was was infamous (laughs) for their for our company parties. Yeah, they were so they really took care of us. The the chairman, Bob Shea and president, Michael Lynn, uh, who just passed away last year, and um, our CFO, Steve Abramson. Three of those guys really took care of employees. They would spend as much on a summer party and on our holiday party as they would do on a major premiere. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It was, wow. It really was. Yeah. It was <laughs> just fantastic. I love it. I love it. Well, that's really cool how you got started and everything. And now, I mean, looking back on that and then to where you are now, you've had so many really different, amazing experiences within the industry. So, that being said, what would you say? I guess this is a two-part question. What would you say has like been the most difficult part of working in the industry? And then what would you say has been the most rewarding? Easy. The most difficult has been being broke. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. That'll do it. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I met with a young actor yesterday uh, here in LA and, and I was explained to him that, you know, it is so hard because not making money for so many years and accruing debt and, you know, all of the shame that I encountered at least and humiliation with and and associating not making money to success, which 
most people do. And it's mm-hmm. such a shame. But that has really been the hardest and, and feeling like, you know, what am I doing? Why am I doing? I'm putting myself in more, you know, and then the credit card companies calling me and I'm, you know, avoiding my phone, turning my phone off. My credit is shot, you know, all of these things for so many years. You know, now, of course, looking back, there was no other choice. I, you know, I had to to take, you know, low paying jobs and then mix it sometimes with higher paying jobs in the industry that then were, would prevent me from being creative and follow and doing my own projects. So it's this balance that every person I think has to find for themselves. I got to mm-hmm. a point in my career where I realized I just couldn't do like low paying jobs that gave me more f- freedom and time because this financial stress was too much for me to be, it got, it had gotten to me. But you know, when I was in my twenties, I wish I could tell myself in my twenties, don't worry about it. Just be broke screw your credit. It's fine. You have plenty of time after that. But there does come a point where for me, at least I'd like, okay, this is no longer okay for my life. I, I didn't have, I wish I had the, the guilt and the shame that I had in my twenties. That's fine for when you're, when you're 30s or 40s, but, but you know, in my twenties, I should have been a little bit more easy on myself. But yeah, so that would be the hardest for sure is the money. I think the most, I think the most rewarding, uh, gosh, you know, it's seeing, it, that's easy too, actually. It's audience reaction. Several years ago, I directed a short film called A Life's Work, and it was intended to be a tribute to all the women in my life up to that point who had sacrificed so much for family without ever getting mm-hmm. any sort of, you know, reward or accolades of any kind. And when I when people would watch what we screened it went to a few festivals and you know, when the audience, you know, their reactions and then during Q and A's and people would ask about the film and they were really touched by it. That's to me is everything right there. That's that really is what makes it. And you know, you can't you don't always get that reaction to projects you that you work on. But when you do and that magic is there and that connection between audience and story all through just sound and light that's all that the film is is sound and light these two <laughs> basic properties and people are touched and moved or laugh or entertain or laugh and that's that's what makes it all all worth it i love it that totally makes sense i mean seeing seeing that reaction or hearing about it and whatever it might be laughing crying or just having them be affected by it and their lives be affected by it i'm sure has been really, really rewarding to see. Well, that's good. Really, really good. That's awesome. So I do have another question for you. So I have personally never been like on set for um, a movie or a TV show that I can remember. Yeah, no. (laughs) (laughs) But um, so like for people that listen to the podcast and fans of um, film and TV, could you kind of walk us through, I'm sure the day-to-day can change and be different, but kind of like a behind the scenes of what you what you would see if you were to walk on set, like, you know, from morning to night, kind of how that happens. I'm sure there's kind of some hectic parts and some downtime too. And that, of course, each day is different. But if you could kind of give us sort of like a little sneak peek. Yeah, well, um, yeah, that's a big question. I think... It's different every day on set, and and that's one of the mm-hmm. reasons why I love it so much. Is there's always something new and a new challenge to overcome. If you think about it, 
you know, a, a movie set or a TV set or a production in general. It's a company. It's a business that's formed super quickly. Sometimes people who've never worked together before, and they are thrown together, and they have to oftentimes solve what seems to be impossible problems to solve, and they do it. And that's another reason why I'm so proud to work in this industry because I've seen such insane feats happen that I was like, "How? There's no way they can do you know do something like it." But it ends up happening. So mm -hmm. I will say this: like my husband came to visit it, me on the set of Wonder Woman when we were filming in, in Washington D.C. And it's funny because he'd never been on set, I said either, and he's like, "Oh God, boy, this is just chaos all the way." And I'm like, and I was like, <laughs> "Oh no, 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 sir." No, no, this is a finely tuned machine where every single mm -hmm. person knows exactly what they're supposed to do. If you don't know, if you don't work in film or TV and you come on set, that might be what you might be the perception. But it is, it mm. is, wow, it is so tightly run and so professional. Yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am, yes, sir, no, sir. It is so respectful. There is a very clear hierarchy of jobs and duties, roles and tasks that every single person knows exactly what they're supposed to do, that it runs very smoothly. It couldn't function any other way for the, the very least for safety. It's a super dangerous place to work. Mm -hmm. And if it wasn't for the professionalism and high level of work and work ethics and integrity, it, you couldn't have it. You can't do it because I have worked on low budget things and thankfully, like here in, in LA, even working on low budget stuff, you're still working with professional crews. So you still have that high level of professionalism. My first short I directed was in New York. I was new, brand new. I'd never directed anything before. And then the crew that I worked with were, everyone was just doing it out of love. And it really made a difference. It was, I so appreciate that all these people worked on, on my movie, but you know, it was night and day to what it compared to professional set. And it, it's mm -hmm. it's remarkable. I mean, trying to can't think of an example of something incredible that's happened, but I'm sure I will in a second. But there's all kinds of you know. I've heard the story about someone scouting on a TV show, and the director found this place in this um, it was like a pond where the director wanted to place a car to be pulled out of this water, and uh, someone was with her. I think it was an assistant or somebody. And anyway. The crew said, oh, yeah, we can do that. But there's a there's a big boulder right there that's the size of a car that we've got to pull out of this lake for them to do, to get the shot. And then the assistant's like, oh, there's no way they're going to get that. I mean, and like, oh, yeah, they will. If they say they're going to do it in a crew, they They'll will find, find a way. A way. <laughs> and it, it's funny because and I hate to sound a little negative, but when I have, you know, when I've had um, been scarce on jobs in the industry and I've had to go outside of entertainment to get work. And I encounter in like in the corporate world, so many obstacles. Well, we can't really do that because of this. And then the meetings upon meetings to, to try to solve a problem, it drives me crazy because I've not saw how I've grown up in my work life. My work life is mm -hmm. no is not is unacceptable and you, you make it happen. And I, I'm I'm glad I was taught by about how that's how I was raised in, in, in my in my professional career. It's a it's a great thing to right. to carry with oneself, you know, to from job to job. Right, right. And I'm sure a major reason as to why you're so successful too is having that mentality and like, nope, we're we're gonna make it work. If this is the vision, we're gonna make it happen. So whether it's through problem solving or figuring it out, it's gonna happen. So 
It's funny that you say that like someone coming on set would see it as chaos, but to you, you're like, no, this is, this is literally like everyone has a very specific job and knows what to do. And to us or like to the fans or viewers, it would look like total chaos, but to everyone that really knows what's going on, it's just like, like clockwork. It's just, everyone has such specific things to do. And I love that there's that respect there too, that you mentioned, like everyone's calling each other, sir and ma'am. And I love that. That's really cool to hear. Yeah. I think it's, you know, not a lot of people realize, I mean, how could they, you know, unless you, unless you work in the industry, but realize that, 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 that exists in these productions. And yeah, it's great. And look, there's, like you said, there is certainly downtime. It's not like it's, it's hectic, hectic all the time. It's, you know, there's a lot of quiet time, but, Mm -hmm. but yes, it, it is, it's a blue collar mentality of get the job done and get it done right and safe. I love it. That's awesome. Well, good to hear. Thank you for that. So I wanted to, I have to ask you this question, of course, since this podcast is called It's Shows Time, I have to ask you what your, if you could pick like a couple of your favorite shows, I know you probably don't really have much time to watch a lot of them, but if you had to pick a couple of them, which would you choose? Well, sadly, I am a complete TV junkie and I have been since I was four (laughs) years old. (laughs) So, so no matter how tired I am, I definitely watch a lot of TV and always have. I love it. Um, Give me like right now at the moment or historically or right now. Yeah, sure. Right now. Um, Well, I'm a little partial because it's a friend of mine who's one of the, the executive producer and director, but Sex Education is really, I love. <gasps> I love that show. I do, I, I do too. It's just, so I'm, I'm friends with Ben Taylor. I did, a, I did a project with him here in LA several years ago. He's from the UK, of course. And I just, it's just incredible. I love, there's so much, again, like love is put into that show. It's just so beautiful. Not to mention hilarious and really pushing yes. the boundaries. And I think what they've done is so brilliant. And I, I have a feeling, well, I don't know who's behind it. It's, I'm sure it's been and a lot of people who are involved in the show, but that type of high school does not exist in the UK. So they, what they've done is they've created an American high school that, that is in the UK. And I think that's so brilliant because then you have, you have a built-in audience at there and abroad. And it, they've done such a yes. good job. And they're not trying to say they're American high school. They're just... They're just taking aspects of it and owning it, which is a, a very different thing. And the characters are incredible. The development of the characters are great. It's actually even shot. I mean, this is credit to Ben. You know, it's shot so beautifully. And I think it's a really strong, strong, strong show. And then, of course, with everybody else in the world, Fleabag is just my, j- my, right. you know, my jam. <laughs> that show, I love it really that. is just incredible. I just love that these shows, those two in particular, which is interesting because they're both British, but um, that are are relating to people on such a guttural, primal human level. People say like, oh, you go to watch a TV show, or you go to watch a film to escape, which is true. But they also, I think, is to go and to be able to relate and connect yeah. to maybe even our higher selves. Like, oh, I wish I could say the things that she says in Fleabag, you know. Right. But like we all have those like – when we, you get into an argument with somebody and you have like after the fact, you have those scenarios that run in your head, you know, when you're in a shower, like, oh, I should have said that. Oh, why didn't I say that? And then you have these characters who are experiencing these things that you experience, but they're actually saying those things in the moment. And so it's right. like you're, it's like they represent the best of ourselves or the worst of ourselves, too. And equally is important. Right. That's so true. That's like such a good way to put it, too, of like how shows are 
an escape, but it's also like you feel like you're relating to that person in one way or another, like whether it's what they're saying or the experiences that they're going through. So it's like, it's almost simultaneously happening without you realizing it. Like, just like you're, I don't know, it's especially with those two shows for sex education and Fleabag, it's like, they're so, so real and like almost sort of raw. And I love that about them. And I think that's why they've been such a great success so far is just people can relate to them so much. And it's actually funny that you say about sex education. I was introducing my friend to it the other day and she was like, wait, is this a British show? And I kind of sat there for a second and I was like, is it? Because I I don't even realize that like everyone has an accent because like you're saying, it has that American high school sort of setting. And so it doesn't even make you realize like, oh, I'm watching like something foreign or, you know, something that's from the UK or that kind of thing. So it's, it wraps that up nicely where it can, it makes it so much easier to relate to. But yeah, I love that. Those are really, really good picks for some top shows. (laughs) Another one I'll throw in is called Frayed, um, which is a combination UK and Australian production. But it takes place mostly in Australia. The pilot is shot was shot in London and the rest of it was shot in Australia. And it's one of those shows that essentially each character, most of the characters, the main characters at least, are pretty crappy. Like they're kind of selfish. They lie. They cheat. You know, they do. But... It's such a great example of how you can have and make an unlikable character likable or an unethical character likable. And it's a whole different world. It's definitely like Australian culture and based that it's a really great cast, great writing, great directing. Awesome. Love it. I will need to check that out. Is it on? Where can you watch it? Um, God, where did I see? It? I think I saw it when I was in London. So I'm not sure here in the U.S. where you see it. Yeah. Okay. I'm sure I can find it somewhere. Afraid. Yeah. Okay. Okay, cool. Well, great picks. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. And I don't want to take up too much more of your time. I could literally talk for hours <laughs> um, about all of this stuff, but I know you have a busy schedule. So thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us about everything and hearing about all your experiences. And I'm so looking forward to seeing Wonder Woman and any of the other future projects you have. So thanks so much. Well, thank you, Lauren. Thank you so much for having me. And I hope your listeners have a great time listening to our conversation and enjoy Wonder Woman 1984, June 5th. Go see it. Awesome. Thanks so much, Jason. Bye. All right. Bye.